Hello Richard and welcome to my office. Hi Thomas, thanks for having us. Back again, episode two. Yes indeed, and, and for that you've managed to make your way through all the piles of music scores and things in here. It really is quite remarkable what you do keep on the floor. Well, you know, music is, is paper before it's song, so um, <laughs> there's a lot of notes <laughs> hanging yeah, around in here. Indeed, no iPads or anything like that. No, no, that's, uh, I think, a dangerous thing to do with, with choirs. I know that some orchestras uh, have, have gone over to iPads, but uh, we won't be doing that for some time, I can tell you. But how do they turn the pages? Um, I think they have foot switches. Really? Or some kind of way of doing that. If you're playing the violin, then you're right. You, you would need an electronic switch. I think they have a, a foot pedal right. to turn page. But it's also difficult cleaning the pencil off the screen. That's right, yes. All those marks, you know. Mm. <laughs> Not mm. a great idea, in my opinion. Anyway, we are back. It's episode two of The Staved Off, now world famous. Um, and we're very pleased about that. They said it would never last. And, well, it has. We unfortunately missed January. January was a little bit complicated. But that's, that's the way of things, though, isn't it? January is, is downtime for everybody in this country. It is. Yeah, Australia goes to sleep in January as well. And it's a good thing. We, we like to have some downtime. But, and in fact, you left Australia for a period. Yes, yes. Well, just until they caught up with me. But um, <laughs> back now, so... <laughs> and, and you went to Rome? I did go to Rome to, to talk about um, what we might do when we go there on tour, when the Cathedral Choir um, goes back to its musical roots that's um, very exciting it that's really is very exciting part of the, the 2018 bicentenary yes, celebrations yes. well I think it's rather interesting that um, you know uh, the Cathedral Choir is 200 years old this year making it Australia's oldest continuing musical organisation of any sort um, and in fact the oldest musical organisation continuing of any sort in the world is the Sistine Chapel Choir which also happens to be a Catholic choir, just like us. So um, we thought we'd make a connection with them. And I had a wonderful few days in Rome where I got to um, see what they were doing and observe their rehearsals and even um, had the excitement of going in their, their motorcade from St Peter's Basilica to the Basilica of St Paul's outside the walls where they were going to sing um, Papal Vespers for the um, Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul. Um, so, yes, great excitement. So you had a good trip, and you were in the rehearsals with the Sistine Chapel Choir. How do you think uh, things compared between there and here? Well, of course, it's interesting how many things are, are the same, and then the things that are different. Um, so their men, for example, walk around the corridors singing Verdi and Pacciniaris, and then in the rehearsal there they are singing um, Palestrina, which I suppose is, is a little bit like us. Um, their choir school is really beautiful, um, actually behind one of the central Roman churches. I, it had never occurred to me that they weren't in the Vatican, but, mm. but they're not. I suppose they've got more space where they are. Um, and yet it was fascinating to watch and listen to the way that they sing this music that we know very well, but they have a very distinctive way of performing it. It's um, Well, it's really got to be heard, um, but it's very authentic in that... Um, that music has been a part of that choir and of that place um, since it was written. So you have the, the, the tour coming up in, in May this year and, and your your kind of advance guard trip in January has helped to make some of the arrangements for that. That's right, and the boys are preparing in their own way. There's one of our very youngest boys who every morning when I arrive for choir practice says buongiorno to me. Um, he can't say anything else, but he's learnt that at least. So, in English um, even. <laughs> yes. So there's a level of excitement there. 
that's that's good, and, that, and that's only to be expected, really, because it's been a while since the choir went on tour. The last time the choir went overseas was in 2011. Um, also to Rome. Also to Rome. Uh, before that, um, I think it was in the early 90s when they last went overseas, and that was for a, part of a, a rather large European tour. Yes, indeed. I know that... Um, some of your predecessors have been quite interested in, in the touring opportunities. So. Yeah, my predecessor, David Russell, the director of music, um, was extremely intrepid, um, and he would take the Cathedral Choir, which was a lot, a lot larger in those days, um, traipsing all across Europe. Really very impressive touring programmes. Also North America, I, I remember reading somewhere accounts of trips to Disney World That's and right. so on. That's right, yes, yes, they sang for Mickey. <laughs> yes, uh, which is exactly in the remit of the Cathedral Choir, I think. So, uh, <laughs> Must have been fun for the boys. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. And that's that's um, in no small way a, a part of the, the ethos of the touring, isn't it? But, Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I still um, meet people who remember going on those tours either as um, men of the choir or as boy choristers who had such amazing experiences. Yes, indeed. Anyway, so here we are. It's a new academic year as well. Something else new for you? You have a new assistant director of music? Yes, yes, Simon um, Nieminski has joined us. He came from Edinburgh, although he's not Scottish. Um, he's actually an Englishman who's been living and working in Scotland for... Englishman um, with a Polish name. Uh, yes, indeed. But we'll we'll find an opportunity for Simon, perhaps, to say more about himself. Yeah, we had hoped that he'd be here today, but, you know, he stood us up, so... Uh, well, I don't think I really invited him properly. Yeah, I right, know, that, okay. would be, that would be my fault. <laughs> Anyway, so now the um, early Easter this year, so we've we've moved straight into Lent. Yes, yes, in in uh, no time at all. We seem to be already in our sackcloth and ashes. Yeah, it'll be Christmas soon. So we had what I find the most stressful day of the year last week, and that's Ash Wednesday. Mm. I don't think very many people would think of Ash Wednesday as being particularly stressful, but I have to say I hate it, and it's not just because of the fasting. Um, It's really because of the, the, the... musical demands of the day we have to sing that piece that piece yes uh, again written by someone from from holy rome indeed yes mm. a, a piece that of course is um really inextricably um, associated with the sistine chapel allegri's famous miserere um and yes that's the piece that we know these days because of the um, stratospherically high um, note that the treble soloist sings um, every other verse uh, and, and I know that a lot of ink has been spilt about the history of the, the Allegri's Miserere Deus and uh, and uh, the, the way that it has developed over the years and of course the famous story which may or may not be true about Mozart um, supposedly transcribing the whole thing from memory having heard it once isn't it true, or so I've read somewhere, that in fact there wasn't the stratospherically high note as Allegri originally wrote it? Oh, certainly. Um, most of uh, the, the m- most interesting musical aspects of the performances would have been improvised by the singers. Um, I'm not game to let ours try that. Um, yeah. At least, at least not uh, not as part of a. Of a service um, so we, we do the, the kind of received version that really is the product of, um, of, of many latter hands well after Allegri or Mozart or Mendelssohn or any of those who are supposed to have been associated with it really had anything uh, to say so um, look it's, it's famous in the form that we know it and, and that's the way we sing it um, but it's really not an easy thing to do and that's why it stresses me out of course it's a very austere introit for that day Miseraris Omnium, 
um, let's all be miserable uh, and uh, I, I watch the congregation as we walk in I can see all these people that only come once a year they only come to hear the Allegri on Ash Wednesday and uh, it is yes. quite remarkable isn't it I mean I had uh, my chaplain at university um, commented at one point that the church is packed for Ash Wednesday and for Good Friday but not necessarily nearly so full for the Easter Vigil or any other time of the year and he, he would say what a miserable religion <laughs> well people are suckers for punishment perhaps that's what it is yeah. uh, but also a lot of the best music happens at, the, at this time of year Indeed, indeed. And so you've got other things lined up for us right through the, our quadragesimal observance? Absolutely. We're very excited that we've got a concert coming up, actually, in oh, just yes. a few weeks. It's almost like you were prepared to... to and, uh, yes. <laughs> and what do you think we've called the concert? Uh, I think you've called it um, concert number one. We've called it Miserere. Oh, that sounds like a good title. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And uh, it will, in fact, have three Miseres oh, yeah. um, performed as part of that concert. Not all by Allegri. Not all by Allegri. Well, none of them really by Allegri. Oh, well, indeed, arguably. <laughs> but we will start, uh, or at least in the first part of the concert, we will sing um, the famous version of Allegri's Miserere. Um, in the second of the three parts of the concert, we'll sing um, a Miserere made by an English composer um, who lived in the 16th century called Robert White. Um, that's an extraordinarily beautiful um, setting that will feature the, the men of the Cathedral Choir, our famous lay clerks, um, being able to, to show what they can do. So that would be lovely. And then at the end of the concert, the third Miserere setting uh, will be by the Scottish composer James Macmillan. Now, David Millen, he's still with us. Well, he's with the living, yes. Yes, I mean, that, that's, that's what I meant. He, didn't, he hasn't passed over. He has not, no. He is still um, composing. He's, he's really quite prolific, actually. Yeah, um, and very Catholic. Very Catholic indeed. Um, his Catholic faith uh, informs, I'd say, all the music he writes, not just the liturgical or, or religious music. Um, and his Miserere is um, stunning in every way. Um, there are, of course, resonances with Allegri's famous setting, um, but uh, James Macmillan has, um, well, taken the piece into a completely new realm, as only he could, and uh, I think people will really just be left um, completely floored by it. It's, it's quite an, ex, uh, an amazing experience. He's, uh, um, speaking from my own relatively limited experience, he's quite an interesting composer because some people, when you hear you know, modern contemporary church music, you kind of seize up, especially if what's more to your taste is the palestrina and bird and so on, which is the mainstay of the cathedral choir. But in fact... James Macmillan dashes those those ideas, really, doesn't he, in the, in the music that he produces? Well, the music is is quite beguiling in that um, there are there are moments of auster or austerity. There are moments of um, really quite tortuous musical writing where you think, "Oh God, what's going on?" But mm. then, almost out of nowhere, comes um, a, a completely different section where. Um, you can let go of any tension that had, had, had built up from what was previously there um, and just be lulled by these really quite simple melodies, simple harmonies. Um, and then he hits you again with something that's more arresting. It's very much an experience, isn't it? Absolutely. It's 15 minutes long. Right. Um, and un whereas the, the Allegri is versified mm. um, and you get um, similar blocks of music coming the way, uh, well, the it's way a, through. It's a psalm setting as, as much as anything, yeah. Indeed. Um, whereas James McMillan has... Um, 
through composed his setting but it does have um, verse like sections of music within it um, and uh, he also takes a theme that um, we certainly know very well here at the cathedral that he used in one of his English mass settings um, that theme is developed throughout the Miserere and comes in a very glorious um, iteration right at the end Great. Well, that's something to look forward to. So now you have your concert called, as you say, appropriately enough, Miserere. And now that's, it's going to be in the crypt, is that right? That's right. Well, we thought that would be another um, novelty for the Cathedral Choir. Yeah, in bit that, of a, bit we of an innovation. No, yeah. yeah, indeed. But um, it seems to me that, uh, again, these, these Catholics that like to come um, to church on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday um, also really like to visit the Cathedral Crypt because it is um, a place of very rare beauty. Very different from the rest of the Cathedral. Absolutely. Um, it's, a, it's an intimate... A more intimate space um, with a with a lovely acoustic for singing, and um, I think it'll be appropriate in every way for this concert of, of Lenten music. And we've even said um, that it's going to be by candlelight. Now, <laughs> I should really say that actually that's going to have to be by negotiation with the cathedral's sacristan, the smiling face of St Mary's Cathedral, um, to see what uh, candles he's uh, happy to, <laughs> to, to let us use, and the various operational health and safety and well, fire marshals. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the risk assessment will have to be done, yeah. um, but uh, hopefully it will be possible for us to light our concert with, with candles down in the crypt. That's very, very exciting indeed. So when is it? So we're, we're giving two performances of this concert, and that's partly because the crypt is um, a smaller space than the cathedral, so we want to be able to give as many people as possible the opportunity to hear, hear the music. Um, but also uh, because uh, we know that different times suit different people. So we're going to give the first performance on the evening of Friday the 16th of March. That's going to be at 7 o'clock in the crypt um, and then the second opportunity to hear the concert will be on Sunday the 18th of March beginning at 2 o'clock in the afternoon very exciting and the tickets are cheaper I think than Angel Place and yeah, well, all the other places again, yeah well again we, we want to make it possible for as many people to come as, as, as we can so um, $30 $30 a steal that's great and uh, we can find all the details on the on the choir website yes that's right um, cathedralchoir.sydney now, we always like it when we get feedback about music in the cathedral. Oh, yeah. I'd like to encourage more feedback from people. We, we, we've had some feedback from last podcast, and no yeah. doubt that will only increase. Well, I've been getting feedback from people about um, a recent musical... Um, uh, actuality or perhaps the absence of something so a number of people have mentioned that they, they hate it when there's no organ playing or at least no solo organ music played in the cathedral during Lent and I think that's fantastic that they hate it because that's the very reason that the church bans the playing of, of the organ so um, it's, a bit, it's a bit of an act of penitence for them absolutely you mm. take something away and then hopefully people miss it mm. and that seems to be the case so um, yes the, the procession at the end of the mass happens in silence out we walk in silence and uh, you really do notice the, the starkness of that it's quite it's quite it's a different yeah, um, effect, isn't it? And yeah. I, think, I find it fascinating when people say, "Oh, why do you do that? I hate that. That's as if, awful." As if, as if it's yeah, it's all by your choice. It's well, all your indeed, whim. I think what it was more to the point is that we're perhaps one of the only very few churches in this country that actually take that rule seriously. It's not an option; it's a black and white rule. There will be no mm. organ music except to accompany the singing. Um, but I think it's a worthwhile rule, actually, um, that that 
really does have an incredibly uh, powerful effect and of course um, my music teacher at school taught me that uh, music is just the organisation of sound and silence um, so actually I'd say that the silence is in its way musical now we're, are we going to listen to some music now yes well I suppose we'd better listen to some music and it might as well be the famous Allegri Miserere and when was this recorded I think this was one or two years ago, probably on Good Friday. So it's a live recording, so you can hear a bit of people moving around and all the rest of it. Ambience, that's right. You can hear the the reality of of St Mary's Cathedral. Very good. Well, we shall uh, join our listeners again, at least those that stick with us, uh, next month when we'll be talking again and we'll have some special guests, no doubt. Yes. And uh, until then, here is Allegri's Miserere. (laughs) 